Hey friends, welcome to Living in His Purpose podcast, where we recognize that in God's purpose, He has the perfect spot for you. If you're a Christian woman and you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious by this rat race way of life and you're ready to find simplicity God's way, you're in the right spot. By replacing negative mindsets and habits with God's word, we're going to give Holy Spirit permission to come in and help us walk bravely in this upside down world. These are not easy things to face, sweet friend. You're going to have to put on your big girl pants. So pull them up, grab a drink, and let's get going. Hey friend, here we are, our last episode on habits. First of all, I want to ask you, how are those habits or New Year's resolutions that you said you're going to start? How are they going? Do you need to breathe some life into them? Do you need to revamp them? Is it too soon? Should you bookmark this episode for February? (laughs) Let's take a couple of minutes as we wrap up thoughts about habits and goals and evaluate them as Christians to learn why habits are important, how we can develop them, and what resources do we use to do this so we can be successful. So first, let's pause and evaluate. Where are you right now? We have to look at our mindset. We need to see where it's sitting, right? Before we go forward on a journey, we've got to see where we are. Are you swimming with overwhelm? Maybe adding 10 new habits isn't the best thing for you right now. You definitely don't need to make the overwhelm worse, right? Yes, developing our habits is a good thing. Yes, having goals is a good thing. But God does not live in chaos. He lives in order. And if you feel chaotic, chances are you're not feeling close to God. So let's look at our why and our what and our how when deciding how to improve upon our lives with these lovely little things called habits. And as you're considering habits and goals, be kind to yourself. Allow grace for this process. Maybe you don't have 10 New Year's resolutions or 10 different habits you want to start right now. Maybe you just have one. Maybe you don't even have a habit. (laughs) Some people have a word of the year or a word of the season instead of having a huge amount of things to do as they walk through becoming a new person. What I want to encourage you to do is to focus on starting small. And just to make you aware, you already have habits. Researchers estimate 40 to 70% of our actions on any given day are done strictly out of habit. I want to encourage you to not be hard on yourself about anything in the past. I feel like this can be a hindrance to anybody wanting to start new habits. And it doesn't have to be started on January 1st. This just happens to be the season where 95% of the world thinks it's a good idea. Okay, so don't be hard on yourself about anything in the past. It's a new year. It's a new day. It's a new start. Whether you have set habits and goals before and didn't succeed or you didn't set them at all, don't let the past dictate all that is possible for you right now. So what do we have as Christians? We have the mighty army of the Lord, and that is something that the world does not have. We don't have to be striving to make ourselves better. We already have Holy Spirit inside us doing that work. We need to be aware of what he's doing. We need to make ourselves knowledgeable with what God's plans are for us. I don't want to tell you what kind of habit to have or exactly how to do your habit, because there are a lot of different ways of doing this. But I do want to encourage you to look at biblical qualities to pursue as you create your habits. Look at the fruit of the Spirit. Are you able to remain faithful and loving and peaceful and kind and self-controlled within this habit that you're starting? Make a conscious decision that in your mindset, you're going to look forward. You're going to be positive. You're going to see the possibilities. You're going to feel the presence of God. You're going to rely on Holy Spirit to lead you where you need to be. 
Don't feel you have to do all this this yourself. As Christians, we are so blessed to have help. Holy Spirit is going to give us the desire of the habits that we want to pursue. And as we do those habits, we will get more desire from the Holy Spirit and we will be blessed from him. So doing this research, though, and looking at this topic, I was asking God to show me what it is that I need to pass on. And I have felt this anxiety because I don't agree with the world's assessment of how to do this, that we just need to change our behavior and your world is going to be all better. I've never felt that to be true. And yet when you look around, you see everybody making the same resolutions, developing different habits in the hopes of making themselves feel better physically, emotionally, and mentally. Well, in the last week of doing research for this, I have developed verbiage, and that has helped me to be able to bring this information to you more confidently. So when people are making their resolutions and developing habits, they're following a world view. And in the mid-20th century, this worldview now has a label. They call it behavioristic approach. You change your behaviors, you change your life. Pavlov, he was a behavioralist. Remember his dog? You set goals and you give yourself rewards. And those rewards are going to keep you going back to do the same thing over and over again, thus developing your habits. And as people, we have made this leap in our minds to believe that if you repeat a good thing over and over again, you're going to fix your problems. But what a hard burden to put on yourself. For example, if you just eat less, you'll lose weight. Well, this isn't true. Information that's coming out in the scientific world says there are a lot of factors in our body that contribute to how we digest food. It's not just calories in, calories out. I'm sure we have all heard about the effects of hormones on our body. Here's a truth that I want you to, to ponder. People are not the sum total of their behaviors. When you work from this behavioralistic approach, you're missing a crucial element. You're missing your heart. As a Christian, God uses our habits to facilitate change. Those things that you do shape who you are. They affect and they guide you. So God is going to use our habits to shape us into what he wants us to be. Changing your behavior will only change the what of your actions, but God wants to change our why. And our why comes from our heart. I'm not saying you don't need to change your behavior. I mean, if you look at it realistically, of course you do. You can't become a kind person if you're yelling all the time, right? That's the behavior that you need to change. But you can only do this when you change your why. We have to have the right heart motivations. In Matthew 15, 8 and Isaiah 29, 13, the Bible says, People honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God is looking at our hearts. So think of behavioral modification as a necessary tool. We have to combine it with the knowledge of working from a transformed heart. When we emphasize our habit work through the lens of working on our hearts, we've hit the nail on the head. Remember, God loves you and wants what's good for you, and he will use whatever tiny little bit you bring to him in faith to do big things. Our habits come from our heart. What you really want to do is what you will do. Your habits will help you move from one place to another, but the source of your habits is always your heart. So if you want to work on your habits, you first have to do the hard work of learning what is in your heart. So the prevalence of this behavioralistic theory in today's world has made it really hard for Christians. This is where we're going to change into our big girl pants. We have to put aside how we feel about things, how the world says we should see things, and turn our eyes to the Bible. And as Christians, we need to grow to accept this fact that this is our first step in everything that we do in life, right? So what does the Bible have to say about habits then? Well, 
it says a lot. And I've mentioned some things along the way. And as I continue, I'll mention more. But first, I'm going to take a little segue here. I want you to consider something for me. I'm not alone. I know this because over my lifetime, I've had many heart-to-heart conversations with friends. And I know that especially as women, we have a propensity to put our heart and soul into aspects of our lives where we should just be putting objectivity and logic into these aspects. For example, how many of you don't succeed at a habit that you want to create for yourself and you instantly fall into an emotional mess? You lay piles of guilt and shame on yourself. Both hands are raised here, just so you know. (laughs) But let me encourage you with something. You have within yourself the ability to be objective. You have the ability to reframe how you see your circumstances. So when you do not do what you wanted to do or you did what you didn't want to do, you don't need to fall into a heap of emotional mess. That's going to keep you from trying again for another day, another week, another month, or another year. You can look at what you call quote unquote failure and see it for what it really is. It's a learning experience. Just as a baby starts walking, how many times do you watch that baby walk across the floor and they fall down? They fall down so many times. And then one day you're looking out the window and they're running across the yard. (laughs) This is how God sees us. When we start our new habits, we have to remember we're not going to do them perfectly. And you have to have that space in your mind and your heart to realize that. And this is where we let our spirit minister to our soul. It's okay if I don't succeed. Maybe I need to reevaluate things, and that's okay. This is an example of changing my mindset. But I recognize life is hard. It moves fast, and emotions about things overlap from one area of our lives into another. And how do we untangle these complicated issues? First of all, we take them to the Lord. Second, we start looking at the why of what we're doing, what our habits currently are, and objectively evaluating them. Are they helpful or are they not helpful to do the walk we want to have with God? But this takes some space. It isn't something you're going to be able to figure out on the drive home. You need to sit down, pen and paper, write down specifically, what do you want to look at? What does God have to say about it? What can I realistically do to change my mind about these things? Okay, end of segue. (laughs) We can't expect God to make changes in our lives if we don't give him something to work with. It's like a car. You know, you can't steer a car if it's not going anywhere. There has to be movement, and then you can steer it. So habits can make things easier, but they don't determine which way our lives must go. This is done through the power of Holy Spirit and God's grace. But you have to develop some intentionality here. That's what makes things start going. Developing good godly habits allows us to glorify God and do good for others. And lastly, it helps us to accomplish our goals. I want you to consider this fact. God uses our habits to accomplish his purposes in our lives. So let's take a look at effects of habits. There are purposes of habits, and then there are effects of habits. And the effects of habits is where a lot of focus gets placed. We want to know how to reach our goals, improve relationships, and get results. They help us function in our daily lives. They also shape our character, and they shape our desires. Aristotle said, you are what you repeatedly do. We can use habits to become who we want to be, but habits show us who we actually are. What makes a Christian view of habits different from the world is we know that we can control them. They don't control us. Whether these habits are good or bad, the Bible says that we are never put into a position where we must sin. In fact, it's quite the opposite. We're told we're no longer slaves to sin, and I am so grateful. Sometimes we have unknown habits, like scrolling when we should be answering emails, talking over people who we're talking with, 
not flossing enough. So habits can be on autopilot, but they still don't control us. We become aware of our unknown habits only when we grow in knowledge. And we grow in knowledge through the Bible, through messages from our pastor, from Christian authors that we read, from conversations that we have with friends, and sometimes even strangers. We are rarely going to change if we don't even know what needs to be changed. So let's go back to the behavioral model. If you think you can just exchange one behavior for another to fix your issues, you're missing the idea of how our soul plays a part in decisions that we make and habits that we have. So let's dissect habits a little bit here. We can break habits into two camps. We have the active definition of habits, which are regular frequent practices that almost seem second nature, like brushing your teeth, driving a car, walking, running. But we also have throughout history seen habits more interchangeable with character. It defines the virtues that we have or character traits. That's the word we use now. Like she's a kind person. She's kind because she does kind things. So we have habits of practice and habits of character. And there's also a biblical definition of habits. The Bible talks about things that people do so regularly, it becomes a second nature to that person. Like in Luke, Jesus' habit or custom of going to the Mount of Olives, he did so regularly. It was his habit. We can't make habits entirely a physiological process. Back to the behavioralistic and the scientific mode here. This is where a lot of work is being done in the behavioristic approach. They can, through scientific work, see new neural pathways in our brain as we practice and develop new habits. And as a nurse, I find that fascinating. But that's not all that's happening. It's not all physical. Our mind and our hearts are still ultimately in the driver's seat as you develop your habits. And they should be motivated by a desire to please God. This desire is at the center of a biblical habit formation. Our heart is the control center of our lives, and it influences all that we do. In Matthew 33, 34, he says, Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 4 says, You need to guard your heart. Jesus said that the external things don't defy a person, but what comes out of the heart does. As Christians, we received a new heart when we were converted, and we need to recognize this. Holy Spirit is taking the work of Christ on the cross and putting it into our lives and transforming us through that work. In 2 Corinthians 5.9, it says, Whether you're at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. So your goals for this new year, make sure it's something God wants. If you want to be more efficient, do it because it will please God. If you want to advance your career, do it to glorify God. Habits are influenced by our desires, and they can influence our desires. As Christians, our desires are changed from what we naturally wanted before we were Christians to what we're able to have as we live in the Spirit. Your desires are going to come from Holy Spirit. This doesn't mean that we can be passively just sitting around for God to do something. He works through our efforts. We move. He steers us. Here's an example of how habits shape our desires. If you're constantly looking through magazines that are talking about how to be younger, your desires are going to lean towards how to look younger. You start looking for ways and opportunities and things that you can buy to do and to become younger looking. Here's another one. If you donate your money to nonprofit, animal rescues, missionaries, churches, your heart is inclined to think about those things. Where our heart is, our desire is. That's where our focus is. Here's a quote from an author that I read this week. He wrote the book, Heart and Habits, How We Change for Good. And I'll put a link to his book in the show notes. He says, as Christians, however, we know that our lives are not ultimately about efficiency. 
Our lives are not ultimately about productivity. Our lives are not ultimately about self-advancement either. Our lives are ultimately about God and bringing glory to him. Secondary, our lives are about others, not ourselves. And this applies to our habits, of course. So an essential part of distinctively Christian understanding of habits is that they aim at glorifying God and in doing good to others. So a lot of people use this time of year to learn how to become more productive and to become more efficient. But don't let that become your overarching goal and the desire for your life. That will turn it into an idol. And God will not be mocked. He will not share his glory. He demands to be Lord and Lord in our lives. As Christians, productivity for us is accomplishing what matters most, glorifying God and doing good to others. So let's start looking at the meat and potatoes of habit development. First, it isn't about the length of time it takes to develop a habit. It's the amount of time that you're faithful to it. The more faithful you are to that habit, you're going to get greater frequency, even if you don't feel like doing it. And so the world says, make a new habit in 21 days. Well, it might take you longer than 21 days to develop that habit. It really doesn't have anything to do with the 21 days. It's how faithful you are to that habit. If you're faithful, you're going to do it more. And the more you do it, the more it feels like it's not even a thing. You're just doing it. So be faithful to this decision that you've wanted to start a certain habit. It's going to move you to do it more. And then the more often you do it, it becomes a habit. Remember, make small attainable steps in your habit development. Community is extremely important. We need to know that we've got people behind us as we set these goals for ourselves. You need to be mindful of your environment to create habits. So where do we start when we're deciding what habits to start and which ones to start? So if you remember in the last episode, we looked at different areas of our lives where we can develop habits to glorify God in serving others. Our lives can be divided into categories. We have our home and our jobs. We have our family. We have ourselves or our personal life. We have a spiritual life. We have friends, right? If your spiritual life is not grounded with good habits that are set and going well, you can't really build on top of that. You can't make your friends a more of priority than your spiritual life. So you have to start with your spiritual life. Do a good assessment. How does it look? Then go to your personal life because that's what will govern everything we do. From there, you look at your family, then your home and your job, and then your friends. And you need to have a good foundation before moving up this pyramid. Secondly, you need to identify which habit to develop. You need to be specific about what habit. And that comes after some mindset work and a lot of time in prayer. God will show you this. And number three, you want to set frequency to your goals. You can't just say, I'm going to be a nice person, but not have a specific plan. It won't work. Number four, you need to build your community. You need to have someone to hold you accountable or someone to discuss and process this stuff. And I'll just put a plug in here for life coaches. This is where we excel. And number five, you need to make your environment one that's going to help you with your habit. And then lastly, of course, practice, 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 practice. Okay? Remember, as Christians, when we're developing and thinking about our goals and habits, Christ is the center of all our relationships. He is the purpose of our lives, and sharing him with others has to be a priority in every area of our life. So let me give you some examples in case you're just trying to decide what kind of habit that you want to get started. So we're going to break down each of these realms and look at some things that we can do in each one. In your spiritual realm, there's Bible reading, meditation, prayer, biblical thinking, taking your thoughts captive, confession, repentance, looking for opportunities to serve people, knowing your Bible, and being a cheerful giver. 
In your personal realm, some habits can look like good time management, how you plan your day. You know, don't be meaningless with what you're working on. Make sure you're getting good sleep. Make sure you're eating well. Make sure you're moving your body. If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. That's what I've said for 25 years in my nursing to many, many people. Our nutrition has to be important. It makes our bodies work. But foods aren't inherently wrong. Just remember there's moderation. Then we look at financial budgeting, being good stewards of our finances, how we spend our free time. Here are examples in your family realm. These habits would include spending more time with them, communicating more effectively. It's extremely important to communicate and to be a good listener, learning how to resolve conflicts, honoring and serving each other. In our work life or our home realm, this looks at habits of organization, how you manage your projects, how you make your workspace look, how do you manage your time, looking at ways to improve things so that you can help those around you, looking how to build up your team and building those relationships to give you an opportunity to see how God would want you to function there. And then last, we have our social realm. With friends, you need to learn how to communicate. You learn how to pray for, pray for other people, responding to their messages, creating time to be with them, seeking ways to meet their needs, listening to them, getting to know your neighbors, serving at a local church. Don't talk over people. Remember their names. Remember personal details. Stop and say hello rather than continuing to walk by. When you're having a conversation, don't look at your phone. These are just simple ideas to get your little head spinning and what kind of habits you could develop this year. Don't make them hard. Make them simple. God uses the simple to make great changes. So let me give you an example of how to grow in your habits. So I used to do this thing, but I've fallen off the wagon. So I'm resolving this year to start this habit up again. First, I'm going to allow Holy Spirit to speak to me about what he would like to see me change. And honestly, I have felt convicted of this for a few months now. And here's my goal. Here's my habit that I want to start. I want to send a card in the mail to one friend a coworker, church friend, or anyone else that God puts on my heart every week. There's my goal. My second step is I'm going to evaluate that and see, does it glorify God? Well, God's word says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. And if I am edifying others, they will in turn edify others and thus the kingdom of God is spread and God gets the glory. So yes, it glorifies God and also I've stated how it helps others. Next, I have to be specific about my goal. If you do not tell your time what it needs to be doing, it will boss you around. Just thought I'd put that in there. So I'm saying once a week. Very measurable. How do I incorporate my community? Well, in my case, I have a best friend who if I went to her and I said, hey, ask me every Sunday morning if I send a card to someone, she'd do it. She wouldn't even need to know why or what I'm talking about. She's so faithful that way. And last, how do I make my environment conducive to accomplishing this goal? Well, I already have a box of cards in a drawer here in my office, so I could easily put them on top of the desk and that would be a daily reminder to get this task accomplished. So there, I will end with that. And I hope you've learned something or resolved to change something that will help you grow in the Lord. May he show you how to live in his purpose. Remember, here's a, a shameless plug here. Life coaches are a great way to incorporate accountability, encouragement, and practical tactics as you pursue your goals. If you would like to schedule a discovery call, see the show notes for my link. If you have any questions or would like to share comments or concerns, I've attached my email. See you next week, friends. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. 
Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me, and I'm hoping that you received a word. Let me close with a passage of scripture. Rejoice in your confident hope, be patient in trouble, and keep on praying. By doing this, sweet friend, you're going to find that you can take those thoughts captive and change that mindset and be anxious for nothing. Have a wonderful day, and I'll see you next time.